Hello there, everybody. I'm back again for episode 37 of Near Perfect Pitch. Thank you, as usual, for joining me. It's a rare pleasure. Got loads of stuff to share with you today. I think I'll tone down the fan club a little bit here. Um, some new releases. We're going to hear a new one, which blew me away last week when I uh, came across it. Uh, a, a new release by Fiat Lux, who uh, were a firm fave of mine in uh, in the early 80s and mid 80s, even late 80s. Um, anyway, they've got a new uh, a new recorded version of a classic song of theirs, which has been made available very very recently, and. I'm going to be interviewing them tomorrow so that I can have uh, the fruits of that to share with you uh, on the next programme, episode 38 of NPP. Uh, there's some new Dutch uncles, which I will share with you. Uh, also got uh, brand new stuff from uh, Future Islands, as well as uh, another track of the new Jesus and Mary Chain LP. Got the usual features. Uh, you can expect uh, a Tinter Web Time feature. Uh, a hat trick of uh, tunes coming up, a feature album, which this week will be Chapter House. Uh, we've also got our um, Magic Biscuit Tin and a whole load of other bits and bobs to share with you. This week, we'll uh, start things off with a bit of Supergrass. <laughs> Yeah. 
She never did anything wrong So she was just a little horny She'd been alone too From 1997 on Velvel Records, that's a libido, a single entitled Supersonic Daydream, and it did precisely nothing in the charts, but uh, it's a poppy little number, is that? And we kick things off with another poppy little number, uh, the third single by uh, Supergrass, which came out in 95 off their debut, I Should Coco. I neglected, stupidly, and, uh, well... If, you've, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I suffer terribly from short-term, long-term amnesia. I'm forever forgetting things. Um, got an interview, as I normally do, at the end of uh, any given podcast. And this week we're going to be speaking to uh, Louise Connell, uh, a.k.a. Reveri Emmy. And I'm going to find out later on just how to pronounce that correctly. Um, my phonetics have not been, uh, not been that good of late. And just got a text, actually, you probably heard that in the background. Also wanted to uh, point out to you, as I do on a couple of occasions throughout the, the duration of the programme, all the, the nifty ways and means that you can see what's going on in the world of Near Perfect Pitch. You can always email me at nearperfectpitch at gmail.com and uh, request, suggest, or otherwise. Um, all the social media holdings, the usual ones, are all up and about, so the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebook. But if you go to nearperfectpitch.com, Everything's nicely packaged there, so you can uh, ping through to uh, select social media, or you can uh, just go to straight to to the show or any given uh, any given episode of the program. So you're reasonably up to date with what I will admit to be a very very hurriedly put together program by virtue of uh, life getting in the way. Getting up this morning, having a cup of coffee, got a new cat in the house. Can't take my eyes off her, otherwise she's going to rip everything to pieces. Watch the football. The weather's lovely, don't know where you're listening, but here it is. Uh, spring has uh, officially sprung uh, in Ottawa, and I can see all my grass, and uh, I'm half contemplating getting out uh, the patio furniture next week. So that, that's all good. So I'm in a good good vibey type mood, but um, if you're a regular listener, you'll know that this is a beautifully uh, anarchic programme whereby I fly by the seat of the old proverbials uh, and, and the only thing that, that you can have as a guarantee that you can that you can get week after week is just a bunch of decent tunes. Delivery might be a bit a bit rusty, there might be it might be a bit rough around the edges, but uh, the sentiment and, and is there. I have the intent to deliver the best programme possible, but this week I tell you what, it has been uh, really hurriedly put together during the half-time in Liverpool Stoke uh, this morning. So there you have it. That will probably explain uh, 
a whole lot of happenings that will be forthcoming in the next three hours or so.
Banking new, that is uh, Future Islands, and that has Debbie Harry, as you probably surmised, if you have the power of hearing. Um, very obvious. Um, so that's Shadows, and that's off uh, the Far Field record. That's their fifth LP in nine years. Quite prolific are uh, Future Islands. They're from Baltimore, and they are on 4AD Records. Americans on a, on a ostensibly. English alt Brit pop jingle jangle indie show. And uh, before we heard that wonderful track by Future Islands, we heard In a Room by Dodgy on their third LP that appears, uh, Free Piece Suite, released in 1996. And uh, any excuse to play them, Dodgy are a band to be reckoned with. And Matt, uh, the drummer, was one of the first interviews on this iteration of my broadcast i.e the podcast generation about a year ago we had a chat and uh, you can always go back that's the beauty of a podcast isn't it it's not uh, must listen now uh, you can go back and delve through uh, uh, any episode that you wish uh, trawl through the songs uh, but i do encourage you to uh, listen to the interviews at the end of any program that's where i always uh, put them as as uh, as a matter of course but the people that I'm uh, lucky enough to talk to uh, have, by and large, been absolutely fantastic in terms of uh, opening up and, and uh, letting us into their worlds. And uh, I get a great degree of pleasure out of talking to uh, peeps in the industry. And this week is no different, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Going to be talking to uh, Louise Connell uh, very, very soon. And next week, Tatesia Fiat Lux uh, from Yorkshire. I'll be talking to them, uh, hopefully interviewing them tomorrow so that I can... Uh, patch that into the show uh, for next week for episode uh, 38 now what have I got queued up next oh yes I've got uh, the Lotus Eaters 
completely reworked version of uh, Secrets, entitled Secrets 2017. And you can get that on iTunes and Google Play and uh, Amazon uh, as a one-off single. Um, The original came out in uh, 1984 on Polydor Records uh, and was also uh, featured on an import-only German mini-LP entitled Hired History. 
and uh, that and uh, Blue Emotion and uh, I'm trying to wreck my brains, uh, Aquavita and uh, some more tunes were, were housed on that mini LP. Anyway, Fiat Lux are back, as I have mentioned, and I'll be talking to them this weekend uh, with uh, with a bit of luck and be able to uh, share the the uh, the, uh, the conversation I have with them uh, on the next program. So we had a hat trick. That was the third of three in a row. That was preceded by The Prodigy and uh, their reworking of the specials Ghost Town, a rather nifty little version it is too. And before that, we heard The Lotus Eaters from their debut album, also their debut single uh, on Arista Records from 1983. That's the first picture of you. That's uh, Peter Coyle and uh, and his outfit. And uh, that particular track reached the dizzy heights of number 96 in the charts. Here's some Simple Minds.
As they trudged wearily through the sifting snow, their hands plunged deeply into their pockets. They both wished, oh, how they wished, they could be sitting snugly by the open hearth, watching the fire crackling merrily, sipping their steaming mugs of scalding hot cocoa. Never mind, Judy, said Beatrice incoherently. It'll soon be summer. Superb from 1979. Uh, that's the undertones and uh, appeal session that they recorded uh, for the man himself. And that is our weekly appeal for this week. And that was preceded by Simple Minds from 1981's Sons and Fascination and uh, an epic love song, which I haven't personally heard for, for quite some time and thought it was about time. Um, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. Drop me a line if you want to hear something. Um, stay tuned because we've got forthcoming. We've got the interview with uh, Louise Connell. We've got uh, Tinterweb Time. We've got another cover version. You're going to get two this week. There's our obligatory fall oh, track. We've got our essential wax. And this week it is uh, Chapter House's debut long player, which uh, I'm looking forward to sharing a couple of tracks with you. And uh, there'll be the Magic Biscuit Tin and uh, a whole load of other intermittent cool tunes and some new releases. There you have it. What's up next? What have I got queued up here as I try and fumble and read my chicken scratch? Oh, yes. Some Chumbawamba. Mr. Kokoschka, it just happened again. Like a hurricane Sad, so sad All of our culture, it's dead and it's gone Sad, so sad From Babylon, baby, back to Babylon
Guernica we've had this week Sad, so sad I got $25 for a Persian vase Sad, so sad Hold the critique, I think I'll go large Sad, so sad That stuff inside your houses And that stuff behind your eyes Well, it all ends up as stuff that you can Tower out of wrappers and cans Sad, so sad Now we speak in a language that we all understand Sad, so sad Tongue-tied and starry-eyed Sad, so sad It's the ancient history of old-school times Sad, so sad There's stuff dressed up as truth and then There's stuff dressed up as lies
from Southend on Sea. That's uh, the horrors. That's the, from uh, their third of four LPs entitled Skying from 2011 and a tune entitled Still Life. And that was preceded by the wonderful Chumbawamba. And uh, many, many people think that they are uh, one-hit wonders. And uh, amongst other things and uh, pursuits, uh, one of which being to indoctrinate you to the fall by virtue of the weekly fall track that I play, I'm also trying to similarly indoctrinate you to the wonderful world of Chumbawamba. It's not all about uh, I get knocked down and I get up again. This is uh, from their 15th LP from uh, 2004 entitled Un on uh, Mutt Records and a tune uh, entitled On eBay. And uh, if you love lyrics, and I'm talking about clever lyrics, listen to Chumbawamba. Please do. You'll be enlightened. Very bright bunch, and they've always been pointing out uh, to uh, to the masses uh, what they should be concerned about, whereas most people just uh, are content to bury their heads in the sand. Chumbawamba were the polar opposite. They were agit-prop merchants, and very good ones at that. Manson, by request, take it easy, chicken.
skins with uh, Wembley um, and that is their second single uh, in the whole scheme of things and that appeared on their second LP entitled Fun, uh, preceded by a request for uh, Manson and that was their debut single from 1995 entitled Take It Easy Chicken. It's time now for our obligatory fall, our track. We're going to go to 1986 to the fall's ninth LP produced by John Leckie, entitled Bend Sinister, and is an absolute belter, Bournemouth runner. Well, 
took a chase after the bomb moth
band that will never, ever let you down. That's the Jesus and Mary chain from their latest and greatest, which was released released officially uh, last week, Damage and Joy. And that's a track, an album track, the second one off the LP, entitled War on Peace. And that was preceded by our weekly uh, obligatory fall track. And uh, this week it was uh, from Ben Sinister. And we heard Bournemouth Runner, another... it's kind of redundant me saying it's, it's a favourite because uh, you know you know my bias, don't you? Um, what can we expect to hear next? Oh yes, Dutch Uncles from Manchester. We're going to hear the second single off their latest LP, uh, which was released uh, this week, actually. Uh, this is the second single. It's off uh, Big Balloon, which is their fifth LP, and their fourth LP on the uh, Memphis Industry record label. We'll be hearing that, and uh, we'll think we'll stay in Manchester, actually, with uh, the Cortinas after we hear this by Dutch Uncles.
interweb time boys and girls it's our uh, weekly delve into the world of uh, Al Gore's World Wide Web, that thing that he invented all on his own, this week oh, we're in for a treat but before we get into the the aspects of uh, this week's uh, Tinterweb time I will let you know what you just heard you heard uh, the Cortinas from Manchester, the third single of their third LP, their third of five LPs released in uh, 2013 and the LP concerned is Anna and before that, as I mentioned, in reasonable detail, that's the latest single by Manchester, also another band from Manchester, uh, Dutch Uncles. Uh, and the single is entitled Oh Yeah. Coming up next, after Tinterweb time, we're going to go to Bristol and hear something from Strangelove. But let's get into the, uh, the nitty gritty of this particular site. So, 
I uh, attempt on a daily basis to post current musical stuff on, on the Facebook, Instagram and uh, Twitter feeds of, of Near Perfect Pitch and over the course of time I of course end up following people myself and uh, I stumbled upon um, the, the Instagram account of uh, this particular uh, institution quite, quite a long time ago and they do wonderful, wonderful work. Now, uh, the website is www.wearedorothy.com and of course that name doesn't give an awful lot away as to what they do. Uh, I'll also give you the uh, the Twitter handle, that's a Dorothy underscore UK and uh, the same applies to the Instagram account. Now, they do custom artwork uh, that is featured upon the music industry but them, them's very clever people. Um, if you go to the URL you will see their store, you will see their art, you will see samples but an example might be um, uh, a film map which is uh, lithographed uh, but it is lithographed to the point whereby each locale uh, pertains to a particular film, its director and all the details of said film. Uh, in the musical capacity, I'll give you an example, there's a, a new edition uh, world map that uh, has been painstakingly put together whereby all the the cities and, and uh, points of note on, on any given map are taken up by musical content, whether it is the artist, whether it is the LP, whether it is the release concerned. And there are a myriad of different uh, wares you can get your hands on, mainly mainly lithographs. Um, for instance, there's another one here, uh, the evolution of electronic music on a, uh, a CAD file drawing um, um, highlighting circuits, etc., and ranging from the likes of Kraftwerk to, to Brian Eno, etc., etc. It's very, very um, visual. So I'm having a terrible time articulating the brilliance of this particular site verbally. So I do encourage you to visit it and also uh, maybe buy a few things. There's another brilliant one that, that uh, I saw a while ago that really tickled my fancy. And it was uh, it was a soul it was a, a, a star map of sorts whereby similarly uh, names were replaced with uh, galactic musical com content and I could go on and on and on whether you want to buy a mug or whether you want to have something commissioned quite a wonderful little institution is Dorothy and do follow them because a lot of the content that they do put up on their social media feeds don't end up being for sale on their main URL through their shop. So there you have it. We are Dorothy. They are Dorothy. Make sure that you visit Dorothy. Coming up next, as I mentioned, from Bristol, some strange love.
girls are sick and tired of your blah 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 Some big kid says there's no other ends abruptly. That's uh, Lenny Valentino by The O'Tours and The O'Tours released that particular song in 1993. It's their fifth single and it's the lead track off their second LP which was entitled Now I'm a Cowboy and uh, from Bristol before that we heard from uh, their uh, Hysteria Unknown EP their third single slash EP on uh, Sermon Records uh, from 1993. You are categorically up to date and I'm fast running out of uh, things to play. I'm well over halfway through the programme in terms of the musical content, maybe not time-wise, but certainly in terms of the amount of songs that I'm going to be playing. Um, up next, I felt like playing this for a long old while. going to go back to uh, Lloyd Cole and the Commotion's first record and an extended version of one of my faves off this particular LP. She crossed herself As she put on her fence She has promised once before Not to live this way If she don't calm down She will burn herself out Like a forest fire Well doesn't that make you smile If you don't slow down I swear that I'll come round And mess up your place Let's go for a spin Say we shouldn't even know each other And that will be undone Don't make you smile Like a forest fire I believe in love I'll believe in anything That's gonna get me what I want Get me off my knees Then we'll burn your house down Get 
Take me with you anywhere 
deep, 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 deep. That is uh, the unmistakable uh, John Cooper Clark from his uh, fifth LP released all the way back in 1982 on Epic Records entitled Zip Style Method. And uh, the song that we heard there was to uh, to the, the bright of you or the tasteful amongst you who've got the record, uh, I Want to Be Yours, which has been uh, handily covered by uh, the, the Arctic Monkeys. And I want to play that version for you. But uh, those of you who are unfamiliar uh, with, with John Cooper Clark, um, a musician slash poet, uh, songsmith, and just general mank legend, really. And um, this particular record was produced uh, very famously by Martin Hannett, who's no longer with us, but to uh, Martin Hannett, a massive part of uh, the Manchester and the English music scene, uh, uh, especially w- with his uh, input to uh, a lot of the immense uh, work that came out of the Factory Records stable uh, for about 20 years or so, uh, give or take a, a few months. So let's hear the, the version that, uh, that Alex Turner did, and uh, a lot of you will be familiar with it, but it's just contextual, you know? A lot of people don't even know it's a cover version, but it is.
1997 on uh, Mother Records, that is uh, Ballroom, and a single entitled Take It. They were contemporaries of uh, Long Pigs on uh, the same label and never really seemed to get the attention, uh, A, from their uh, record company, and B, uh, the media, and C, uh, radio. They didn't really do uh, an awful lot in terms of sales, which is a shame, really, because uh, I think I've got everything they've done, and uh, they've got uh, seven, eight singles and a couple of LPs, and uh, they're really rather good. Anyway, I wanted to share that with you. That's Ballroom, and that was preceded by uh, I Want to Be Yours from the latest Arctic Monkeys record to AM, of course, and just wanted to uh, put into context uh, that uh, that song did emanate from uh, years, years previous from uh, John Cooper Clark. And uh, the amnesiac that I am, uh, I didn't go into any detail with regard to the song that preceded the John Cooper Clark track, and that was the extended version of Forest Fire off Lloyd Cole and the Commotion's debut record from 1984 on uh, on Polydor. Crikey, 
we're nearly at the end of the programme. Um, I've got an album feature to, to take care of before I get into the nitty-gritty of the interview with uh, Louise Connell at the end of the programme. Uh, but next, we're going to hear from London, uh, from 2000, from their WLP, lemonjelly.ky. We're going to hear a song called In the Bath. And why not?
a very special song indeed in the shoegazy scheme of things and made even more special by having Rachel Goswell doing the wonderful mellifluous uh, female vocals there and uh, Rachel Goswell of Slow Dive, Mojave 3 and uh, most recently Minor Victories. So this is about uh, Chapter House, this is about the album of the week or Essential Wax and it is uh, Whirlpool. It is their debut record on dedicated records and it was a nine tracker when it was released and it came out uh, in 2006 reissued on uh, cherry red with a bunch of uh, nice bonus beats from uh, some of their eps the song that we heard uh, that i've just alluded to pearl was the uh, the second uh, single that they uh, released uh, and uh, the first single that was housed on this particular lp their debut uh, whirlpool so a chapter house 101 they're a shoegazy band. They were formed in uh, in Reading, in in Berkshire. Uh, they've been around since '87. Uh, they are no more, but uh, they uh, they first started demoing and uh, making songs together. Uh, and them, I mean specifically Andrew Sheriff, uh, essentially the brains of the operation uh, with Stephen Patman as well. Um, and uh, they gained some notoriety uh, touring with the likes of uh, Spacemen Three and a lot of uh, the shoegazy circuit outfits of the time. Uh, they they did split. In, in 1994, but uh, I did uh, manage to interview them uh, just uh, just in time for their uh, second LP, Blood Music, which was released in 1993. Uh, I had a, a nice chat with them all those years ago, and uh, I've been trying to track down, actually, Andrew Sheriff for, for the last little while. Uh, maybe one day I'll get him back on the, on the programme. Um, so, the record was uh, released on Dedicated, and as I mentioned, it was re-released uh, in uh, 2006 on Cherry Red. Um, the uh, the band themselves have gone on to other things, but nothing prolonged. Uh, Sheriff, most notably, uh, formed a band called uh, Biocom, uh, which had uh, a brief shelf life, uh, but they are sadly no more. So we did hear Pearl. We heard the uh, the single, the big, big song of theirs, and uh, usually I don't go singly when it comes to uh, these album features, but that one is unavoidable. And the next one is their third single, the second single of this album. It's entitled Falling Down, and it'll be enough for you to go out and buy it if you haven't already got it in your collection.
That's our essential wax this week. That's Chapter House from 1991 on Dedicated Records. Uh, the feature record is Whirlpool, and you've heard two tracks, and that should uh, impress you enough to part with the cash to own said piece of work if you haven't already got it as a part of your record collection. Um, one more song before we get into uh, some music by Louise Connell, Reveriemi. Uh, and um, some uh, chit-chat as well. Um, the, the song I'm going to play you next is entitled Love Child by a band called My White Bedroom. Now, the, the, the band released one record, and one record only, uh, on uh, a Plastic Records Artifact record label, and uh, self-titled. Uh, the band were formed from the embers of the House of Love after Terry Bickers left the first time. Uh, so essentially the House of Love minus Terry Bickers and minus Guy Chadwick. Uh, the album is uh, changing hands for stupid amounts of money for some bizarre reason because um, uh, I guess it's now sort of become posthumously collectible. But uh, I want to play something from it and I'm going to play Love Child and then we're going to hear some uh, Louise Connell and you're going to learn all that there is to know about her and her songwriting uh, and her wonderful talent. So stay tuned for that after this by My White Bedroom.
I choked on the whole star At least I thought so, my mind's tricky One of us will always look more so Draw a line at me, please forgive If I can't be perfect, then just make me good Beautiful stuff from Reveriemi, uh, aka Louise Connell. And uh, Sorry or Something, the song that we heard, is pulled off the collection called With Up So Floating that was released in 2012. Now, uh, in keeping with all of the URLs that I disclose on the programme, I always include them in, in the show notes, so this is no different. I'll put uh, the links to Reveriemi's Bandcamp page and... Uh, the major social portal, uh, Facebook, and I encourage you to visit them regularly. Join the, the mailing list so you can find out all things that are a very Emmy and uh, keep in touch with all the releases. So, 
Anyway, uh, by being on the Facebook page last week, I did notice that she's uh, recording a video for uh, her second, uh, actually for, for a new single, rather, not a second single. Um, she hails from Airdrie. She is a high school English teacher, and she is, truth be told, very, very talented. We're going to hear another song uh, before I get into the interview. This time we're going to hear something off Or Else The Light from uh, 2015. We're going to hear the second track off uh, said record called Venus. song pulled off her acoustic EP which is entitled Or Else The Light. Uh, seven tracks in all. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff and uh, while I was playing uh, that track I was just sifting through Instagram and uh, just bizarrely the, the latest um, the latest uh, photo on my timeline has been posted by a friend of mine, Stuart McLeod 
involved uh, uh, in more ways than one uh, with uh, with uh, Louise. Um, and uh, it's a photo from her uh, gig at Glasgow's O2 ABC yesterday. And uh, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? Timing. Playing Venus, and as I was playing it, this photo pops up. So, anyway, this uh, this acoustic EP is absolutely something to behold, and I and I thoroughly believe that uh, she's on the cusp of something great. Um, she released uh, Straw Woman last year, and I've played several tracks off this record over the course of uh, the last few months, and uh, we'll be talking more about that uh, in the interview, which is just around the corner. And we'll also be talking about uh, Louise's new single, which she's uh, just recorded and uh, was uh, working on the video last week for. Uh, for 10 feet tall. So I'm going to shut up now and hand it over to uh, Pseudo Me and uh, Louise, and I shall be back afterwards to wrap things up. Hello. Hello, is this Louise? Yes, hello. Hello, Stara calling from Canada. How are you doing, Louise? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad at all, not bad at all. I, I got thoroughly confused because the avatar on your Skype account is a sloth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, as the phone as the phone was ringing, I'm thinking, all right, is this the right Louise Connell in Glasgow? Anyway, so lovely to be talking to you. Who's that in the background? That's Stuart. Hello, Stuart. How are you, mate? Hi, Dana. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Magic, magic. All good here. Yeah, spring seems to have sprung here finally, so I feel uh, immensely better than last week. Oh, that's good. It's a wee bit drizzly here, but... It is Scotland. Is you need to be surprised? Well, I was going to say, yeah, I'm not exactly stunned by that weather forecast. But <laughs> So there's lots to talk about. And, and I'm absolutely, I'm immensely grateful because uh, Stuart has been instrumental, just, just selfishly for me, in, 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 in uh, aligning me with, with your material, of which I've, I've got the lot now. And it's just, um, anyway, Stuart, you can hear me in the background. Thank you. Um, so uh, he's he's responsible for me uh, discovering you for myself and sharing it, sharing you with the listenership, and also uh, aligning this this chat, which is lovely. So why don't we start with the exciting uh, happenings of uh, two or three days ago uh, in, in Glasgow? So how did the the launch for the single go? So the launch was I thought it was last night, but I'm so far away. From it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was two nights ago. It was great fun actually. We I've never played. Uh, that venue before it was the ABC Two. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed it. We played it as a full band. Um, with a couple of lovely supports, Amy Rayner and Michael Timmons, and then we just we we I was going to say we rocked out for an hour. That is the furthest. <laughs> uh, um, we played gentle we rock, rock songs. We rocked out for three minutes. I think at one point, yeah. We might, we might have done Stuart's telling me something I didn't. I wasn't aware of. <laughs> Apparently, we rocked out for three minutes. I might have been unconscious during that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it couldn't have been for long. Um, so, so it, it went swimmingly well. So, so uh, you, did you play a lot of new material as well? Because obviously, I wasn't there. So, I'm, uh, I'm just wondering. <laughs> so, what, what was the what was the set list? Mostly songs from Straw Women, so yeah. um, that's what we have really rehearsed with the band. Yeah. Um, so we played most of that album, give or take a few songs. We didn't really play the the quieter acoustic tracks like um, Everyone Else and When There Was. Those are quite um, low key, so we we don't do those with the band. And then at the end, we played Ten Feet Tall, which is the new single. And then we came back on for an encore to Stuart and I on our own, and we played 
no visitors, which is the B side to the single. So ah. we played as much as we could. The songs are pretty short, so you can get away with quite a, <laughs> a full set. Yeah, well, that, that sounds wonderful that you played most of Straw Woman. So, um, what can you tell us? I mean, I was already—you've already answered one of my questions. What what the B side uh, would 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 be for, for for the forthcoming single? So, so ten feet tall. Um, when is that out? So ten feet tall. Is out, Stuart? Is it? Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it should be out today. It's out on Wednesday. Wednesday, um, okay. It's going to basically on Wednesday, yeah. We'll get, I think we'll, we'll do physical sales as well on our website because um, we're old fashioned and we like CDs and B sides and stuff like oh, that. So Lovely. It's been getting radio play a wee bit prematurely, actually, which is great, but we weren't quite <laughs> ready. Um, but, you know, we, we appreciate any and every play we get. But uh, officially, it'll be on iTunes and Amazon, all those places on Wednesday. I'll smash it. And, and again, you say physical format. You can buy an actual uh, CD. Will it be on vinyl as well or just uh, digital CD? Just CD at the CD. moment. I yeah. think we're going to hopefully try to put the next album on vinyl. Oh, lovely. Because it's such, a, it's such an expense, I suppose, so we try and... Um, fit as many songs onto it as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'll get to that in a second. So I'll, I'll, I'll flip back and forth uh, from my list of questions here. But that, that's got a lot of relevance. I want to talk specifically about Bandcamp and Pledge in a minute because they've been very good to you and you've leveraged that very, very nicely. So, so with the next single, with, with, with Ten Feet Tall, is is it the old traditional one B-side? So it's uh, No Visitors is the B-side, there's not a second B-side? Yeah, we just had the A-side and the B-side as just two tracks. So, um, Ten Feet Tall, we have a version of it that's quite acoustic. Um, it's just me, um, my uke, and piano. We put our uh, keyboard player playing piano on that. But we did, a, we did a full band version of it, and we are releasing that as the single. So we were originally going to make the B-side the acoustic version. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there would have been another track as well. But we decided in the end to just have the full band track and then we just had no visitors, which is just, I think, me and then my guitar and Stuart playing the um, second guitar part on it as well. So that's quite stripped back. Well, it's a proper single. Fancy that. <laughs> it's, well, Stuart's quite a... I don't want to say old-fashioned voice. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart's quite a bleep. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a great believer in... The old format, actually. I, I think pop music should be presented in a forty-five minute album format. I think that's always been yes. the delivery method of choice, and uh, you know, and things like great B sides. Or, you know, I love things like the, the jam singles where they discover the B side after a couple of days and they're incredibly high quality B sides. Well, let's talk about Eliza Radley, shall we? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. You, we, share, we share the same sentiment. I think that's why we've become sort of cyber friends because yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that because you, you, you've achieved something quite rare because I don't know much uh, with my 50 years tenure on this planet, but I, I, I tend to know a fair bit about music and, and, and what you've done. You've, you've, you've very handily leveraged the, the modern music industry methodology, but but you've, you've handily held quite nicely on, onto the traditions of, of the past, this single being one prime example of that. And what I, what I recognise about Straw Woman, granted the first three releases were, they were bodies of work, but Straw Woman is an album proper, as I like to call it. Yeah, it's, I'm fairly obsessed with this concept, actually. I mean, I, I, you even wanted, like, the side one, side two yeah, of the album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
whenever I could just record, even if it was knocking out in vinyl, I still try and encourage the artists to think in terms of a side one and side two. Part of the reason being, I love the way that that format gives you two intros and two climaxes, if you like. It's like Act 1 and Act 2. Yes. Uh, and I spent ages structuring the, the running order of albums, and I'm just a great believer in that that kind of way of presenting that form of music. I mean, even things like Springsteen had an album called Tracks Out, which was unreleased yeah. material, didn't fit in albums, and the songs were fantastic. They just didn't fit with the albums he was making at the time, whereas nowadays people just love 12 songs together, and that's meant to be an album. Um, and I, I'm delighted, actually, you picked up on the that. The other thing about you, the other thing is that he's an absolutely phenomenal producer as mm. well, so that's very, that is quite old-fashioned as well, for songs to be very, it's either old-fashioned or it's like, just confined to a certain like like faction of acts like Peter Gabriel and people like that. Um, so it's amazing to be able to produce something that sounds like I think sonically it sounds really really great. Well, he is he is he's in the same room, so I don't want to inflate his ego so he so he can't exit the room. But the production is 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 quite beautiful in terms of I'm listening to it in a digital format. Truth be told. Um, and I, I listen in, in, in lossless, whether it's flack or, or, or any other lossless capacity on, on a pair of decent headphones. And to produce something that would be deemed modern folk pop, and forgive me for labelling you because labels are, labels are a horrible thing. It's a very, very tricky genre to produce because you can't hide away. The tracks are very definitive and you can't wash it away with effects. And... Hats off, because it, it, the album, in terms of its running order, which I know Stuart is very precious about, and, and it is palpable to people who still hark back to the days when you dropped the needle and track one actually meant something and track three was there for a reason. Anyway, hats off to you, because it's, it's a record, but the production is uh, it's rather tasty, Stuart. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm blushing. I think we've had a bit. Yeah, he's done great. Right? I think we had a bit of a meeting of minds in some ways because I, I don't know about production. I've learned a lot more over the past couple of years from Stuart. Um, but I think my songwriting or like the way I, I approach it is maybe not very contemporary. It's maybe something that I've missed my era with a, a wee bit. The yeah. way that I like to write songs and you know we talk about sometimes what would what would you do if you were to write songs for someone else? Oh and my word! I, I, I would find it very difficult. Not because I wouldn't enjoy it, I would love to do that, but because I wonder if there's a, there's a place for what I do. And then to have someone who has this kind of very, what would you, how would you, I don't want to keep saying old school, I actually really hate the phrase old, old school. school. Oh, um, crikey, yeah. That's, that, that should be abolished, shouldn't it? Especially with the S-K-O-O-L spelling. Yeah, that's how I yeah, it in my yeah. head as well. But to have someone who approaches production and, and, and just music generally like that as well is just... Well, you know, you are, you're not alone in your sentiment, but you, you can be, be uh, forgiven for thinking that in the modern age, when, I, when my kids are ripping MP3s off, off YouTube and they think that that, that qualifies as, as being a music fan, um, you're not an anomaly, but uh, you have to dig a little bit deeper to find sort of uh, kindred spirits, but you are out there. And and I, and I don't think what you're doing is what would be deemed vintage ar ar archaic. I think it is the right way. So anyway, for what it's worth, uh, fans fans of your music, I'm sure, are in agreement that that your songwriting, uh, regardless of what technique you want to label it as, uh, it works. And I'm I'm leading into my next question because 
are, are you are you a lyrics first songwriter? Are you a, a, a few chords on, on, on the acoustic, or or is there no set format? What what is it? What is the, a typical process for you? Yeah, there there isn't a great um, process for me. There isn't. I probably am very lyrics orientated, but I think I would. I love melodies as well. I love coming up with maybe a, a hook or a line, and then trying to fit um, lyrics around that, or just having one idea or one word and then trying to write a song about that. I love, like, trying to fit within confines. I feel like that's what I love most about songwriting is that there are so many, um, sort of, I don't know, so many rules you have to follow. Yes. Even if you're being very free with your songwriting. Um, but you have to still fit your either your story or whatever you want to say within that structure, which I really enjoy. It's why I enjoy poetry as well. Not that I can really write poetry, but I, I love the idea of it, that you take an idea and you can't just say whatever you want. You have to be concise and you have to kind of speak metaphorically a lot of the time. You can't just you know, blurt it all out. No, not literal, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's abundantly clear to me that, that you enjoy the English language, and that sounds almost patronising, but um, the English language is, is, as you know, and Stuart can attest to as well, it's, it's grossly abused in the modern era, whereby it's, it's, a, it's a dying art form just to be articulate. Yeah, you'll, you'll induce a rant here. To, um, this is a, a subject close to both our hearts. <laughs> here we go, this is great. I'm, I'm, adding, I'm adding petrol to the fire. Great. Yeah. It's a fire that we're both, you know, we're on the same side, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like on fire, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very glad. And, you know, obviously with your profession, you're very, very well read and you've been immersed and, and, and uh, you've been, been subject and exposed to an awful lot of literature. Uh, it, it's evident with your songwriting too that there's an articulation there that is slightly uh, more highbrow without being elitist. I'm trying to qualify that without insulting you. But there's, there's an intelligence. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and and that, as, as I go through the lyrics, first of all, they're, they're definably... Uh, discernible and I can actually make out the lyrics god forbid but uh, it's it's quite articulate and and, and I, uh, the reason I'm asking the process is because I'm just wondering how much thought goes into the actual uh, the words that you use I'm using that word instead of that thesaurus synonym or, or, or is it more organic does it just sort of emanate from you or do you have to devote a lot of time and thought to it I think there's no there's a fair amount of time and thought and that's why I appreciate in other songwriters. I hate when you hear a song and it's really lazy and you're like, you could have done so much more with that song, you could have gone in that direction or you could have just... And it, sometimes it's not even much that someone has to do with it mm -hmm. and, it, and it would have been just, you know, a much better piece of work. So I don't like to feel disappointed in myself when I finish a song. I don't like to think, oh, I could have done much more. There are songs that I sometimes feel that way about. But what I tend to do is have a sort of basic song and then go back to it. Maybe it'll be like a basic verse and a chorus and then I'll go back to it and I'll just keep trying to add and add and redraft until I have something that I'm I'm happy with. So there's there's a fair amount of work, especially lyrically. Yes. Like after a while, I'm not really I'm not very well musically trained. I don't um I, I'm not you know very gifted or talented. I think playing instruments. Um, I don't have any sort of theoretical knowledge of music either. So that's one thing that maybe I, I come to a, a limit. But, but also that. also Louise, that that forgive the terminology, but that naivety. Is uh, is the catalyst to being uh, organic without there being any contrived elements? Is, is... Stuart is nodding. <laughs> Does that make sense? Does that make sense, Stuart? Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a real bugbear of mine. Is sometimes you work in positions that all the creativity has been trained out of them because 
you get stuck in the mindset of what you should do. Format. One, yeah. There's various aspects of Louise's right now I really love, but I'm always kind of really wary of her delving into it too much and trying to learn the craft more because I think that she's such a natural writer. I mean, obviously, lyrically, um, and I think her lyrics incredible, and it's just there's always a line, at least a couple lines in each song that just really take you by surprise. But musically as well, it's such a natural process at the moment. It just comes out of her without overthinking it. And I think there's a real danger when people start overthinking it. And it's, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head there, actually. It's just that, that naivety or it's just a kind of slightly gauche approach to the whole thing. Yes, uh, yes. And I think that really shines through. The, the songs are incredibly natural and fresh as a result. Um, and I have to say, the new batch of songs that Louise has written for the next album, I think, is an even better collection of songs than Straw Women, which is incredibly exciting. Then personally, no visitors. The B-side of Ten Feet Tall might be the best song she's ever written. It's almost the archetypal Reverie Me song, and I find that My mum likes it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You've sold one copy. <laughs> no, but, but is, is, is that... Is the record you're alluding to, Stuart? The uh, Is it the mini-LP that's forthcoming next in, in May? Probably a combination of both. I mean, what we did before Straw Women, um, we used to put a, a mini-album called, called Or Else the Light, which is seven tracks, and five of them we reworked for Straw Women. And mm. I really like that, because the initial idea of Or Else the Light was to strip everything back so all you really got was Louise in her essence. Um, so focused, sorry, people were forced to focus on the songs. Um, and then we sort of developed them for Straw Women, and that really worked. So we'll probably do some sort of... Um, element of that as well. We'll do the mini albums coming up, which might actually revisit a couple of very old songs as well and strip them back. And then 10 Feet Tall will be on that record. And then towards the end of the year, maybe at the end of the year, we'll do another full album, sort of proper follow up to Straw Women, if you like. Great. Which will have some of those songs and some other new ones. Because also there's the fact that, I mean, it, between now and then, there will be more songs. Louise writes pretty constantly. And uh, to be honest, one of the Best fact is my life is coming home from the studio and Louise has written a new song and she's just sitting with a guitar and pushing <laughs> the song. It's just an absolute privilege because it's always something that knocks your socks off as well. Um, and so I've heard all these songs the moment they're written and you know the, the, the brain starts working and you think, where can we go with this together? And No Visitors at the moment is a very, very stripped down track, but I'm pretty sure that'll come back as, as something quite developed and... And, and lush and ambient and all those things. But it sounds like, well, it doesn't sound like, it's abundantly clear that you are absolutely revved up here and, and artistically, yeah. well, you, you've, you've found you've found a, a, a project and it sounds like you work just very seamlessly together. I mean, do you ever, do you ever argue? No, I don't actually, no. Stuart knows so much more than me when it comes to production and music that, in general. This isn't true. Stuart's <laughs> Oh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we would. Maybe that's for another day, but I know he's a he's a he's a massive resource. So I would be I'd be very stupid to, to think to argue with him over, over ideas. I trust him completely. And he's so and he's so polite. Well the, the, the point I was gonna make is like I totally, I actually really strongly disagree with you. Not, we don't argue, but I don't have any more knowledge about music than you do. All I, you know, we have this thing. Are that, we I think you are. It's, it's a first. If on a record, I've always said this, Louise, if something's going on that she doesn't like, then it doesn't go on. We take it back off the record. And the other thing I should point out, actually, is on Straw Women, um, Louise has got co production credit for a very specific reason. Quite often she'll add an element. Right. I would miss quite often the kind of the oddness of it. There's a slight darkness. 
if I've gone down a more mainstream route, she'll drag it back a little bit. She'll put a little something to jar it a little bit in there. Then in the reason that to me is crucial to the process, and I couldn't do that on my own. Um, and I tend to defer an awful lot actually to, to her point of view and things like that because I, I just trust her instincts. If she's not happy with something, there's a reason for it. She might not be able to say artistically, or sorry, musically, why that would be, no. but artistically, she'll know exactly why, and you've got to trust that. That's great. It's also great that you've left the door open because uh, sometimes that's a sacrosanct little uh, little environment that uh, a producer will not let anybody tamper with. Yeah, I, th I think, to, personally, I think that's a mistake. I, mean, I think one of the things I learned when I started producing records was you can't really do it with an ego. You have to let, leave your ego at the door because it's not your record. Um, you can guide, you can have strong opinions, and I will have fairly heated arguments sometimes about what's going on in a record, but at the end of the day, with it's not... People. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for qualifying that, Louise. Yeah. It does ever happen. Ever had a, a, a large disagreement about anything that's done on every media? We've always been talking through. The only time, no. What would happen is I would have my style as a vocabulary to it can be what I wanted done sometimes, and Stuart would then just have to keep doing things until <laughs> I could point at one and say, "Yes, that is the thing that I would like." Yeah. Which that tends to be more how the discussions go. Yeah. But most of the time, actually, Stuart does. Things that either I wouldn't have thought of, or I wouldn't even need to ask for well, them to do it. I, I enjoy. Well, I can only hope that this this dynamic perpetuates because it, it it works, and I can only hope that, as I say, it uh, it's it bears more fruit because you're onto something, as they say. Um, <laughs> with with regards to this is this is a question, and I know artists hate this, but it, it's for, it's for a contingent of the audience who want to get a grip on 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 again pigeonholing an artist. I mean, it, it's it's a necessary evil, unfortunately. I mean, you, you've cited a lot of very diverse influences in uh, in, in press releases and, and, and interviews, ranging from, crikey, you know, Amanda Palmer from Dresden Dolls to, to Arcade Fire to Nico Case to Regina Spector, Jenny Lewis, Grizzly Bear. Um, all, all fairly non-mainstream artists, all I don't know. They've they've all they've all uh, they've all garnered uh, a, a very very loyal yet small but loyal uh, fan bases along the way. Um, are there any Scottish contemporaries that that you are uh, particularly enamoured with? Um, contemporaries though. Bill Sebastian. Bill Sebastian. Well, yeah, um, they are beyond anything I could ever go for. I love Bill Sebastian very much. I grew up yeah. listening to Bill Sebastian. My brother was a big fan, um, and they hands down would always be my favourite Scottish artist. I, I think the songwriting is incredible as well. Yeah. I was citing lyrics the other night, just, just in general. I think we were we were in old Compton. That was it. I started to recite lyrics from um, yeah. from the boy with the Arab strap. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they, they are they're in a kind of a league of their own, Bill and Sebastian. But I've mentioned this many, many times on the programme. In terms of hotbeds of musical output, whether it's Primal Scream, whether it's Orange Juice, whether it's uh, Teenage Fan Club, whether it's uh, Frightened Rabbit, uh, Scotland per capita in terms of churning out world-leading music, it blows my little mind. And, and you could even extrapolate that to, to, to certain areas of Glasgow alone, never mind just Scotland. So, you know, Trash Can Sinatra's, just, just wonderful music emanates for, from Scotland and on a per capita basis. I think only Manchester can contend with Scotland. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, actually, a lot of it, I, I think it comes from sort of 
political and, and, and social pressures, and, you know, the collapse of industry in the 80s and factors and it hits Scotland very, very hard. Absolutely, and, yeah. And particularly the area where you're from is Lanarkshire, just outside Glasgow, and a lot of the bands that are thought of as Glasgow bands are sort of Bells Hill, the Coatbridge, the Airgate, are Lanarkshire bands. That's um, it. Actually, the majority of them. And it is that kind of you know, the decline of industry. It's, it's always been, you know, sport and, and music and the arts were a way out of, of the environment, if you like. And I think that has bred incredibly diverse talent as well. I mean, things like from, you know, the Jesus and Mary chain to Aztec Camera, both in the same town, both enormously successful and really pretty radically different music. Yes. Um, uh, you know, I, I think also there's a very, very strong songwriting tradition in Scotland. Um, you know, it's not, most of the music is, is really based on melodies and lyrics rather than, you know, if you take someone like, an example, who write, like you 2 someone like you 2 who write great tracks as a band, but it's not necessarily classical song-based, whereas the Scottish bands all tend to be. And even if you take someone like Jesus and Mary Chain and, and Cycle Candy, where it's kind of very noise-driven, but the melodies are incredibly sweet. It sounds like the Beach Boys at heart. They're very strong songs and melodies, and, you know, there's a very strong element of pop melody through all the Scottish acts as well. Again, I think Louise is considering that tradition. Do you think music's one of those things that it's like an art form that's that's okay, that's allowed, and it's almost like, and it doesn't really require a huge amount of resources to start with. Yeah, yeah. And it's something like when you can't say what you really want to say in life, or you can't sometimes do what you want to do, you can always pick up a guitar and start singing and oh, absolutely, writing songs. Yeah. You don't have to be very good, but you can still, I think, convey how you feel. Well, I think, I mean, that, that's why it's so important, because, you know, in an area like this, you know, it's, it's, it's had its problems, and music as self-expression is crucially important to areas like this, and I mean, yes. yourself personally, mm -hmm. I know that you express yourself through writing songs, and, and that that's such an important resource, and it, it does kind of sadden me a wee bit that, that, that you know, the collapse of music industry has kind of crushed that a little bit, um, in terms of being a viable um, aspiration for, for, for young people in, in working class areas in Scotland, but they still continue to make fantastic music. Absolutely. I mean, the political socio-economic factors that, you know, that Scotland's been subject to, and of course you can't, you can't even utter those words without bringing up Thatcher and, and, and the Tories. I yeah. think that there are, there are obvious parallels with, uh, with Britain's northwest, uh, Liverpool and Manchester mm -hmm. predominantly in terms of uh, the musical output, whether you're talking about the Lars or whether you're talking about Happy Mondays, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, and you know the, the factory movement was not dissimilar to the postcard movement. And uh, the only thing that really happened of massive relevance that enveloped the two regions that were sort of outside the region was the label, obviously, creation enveloping acts that emanated from those geographic regions. And yeah, I think a lot yeah. of parallels. So. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because citing your your influences, uh, there just wasn't uh, there wasn't many British or Scottish acts in there. Uh, I just wondered if uh, you were particularly enamoured, and you've, you've you've talked about Bell and Sebastian, and you know upon hearing that first album that came out as that college release all those years ago, it was one of those defining moments that I know that both of you can both uh, endorse. It was just I have never heard anything like this before. It was uh, it was quite a moment. So, not not unlike listening to to you the first time, because because your voice. Let's talk about any lyrical training. Do you, do you have any training? Because your voice is just <laughs> unbelievable. Sorry, I know I'm hogging it a wee bit, but um, I have this constant battle where Louise doesn't think she can sing, and oh. everyone's so she's a great singer. I'm sorry. That makes it sound like I'm trying to get people. No, not at all. Me, no, I, I know it's hard. I'm not a singer. I'll go along to, to see acts or maybe just working in a school I think you hear a lot of 
kids who are being you know properly trained in singing and things like that. And when we did the album, um, Stuart friend Elaine, who's a fantastic vocalist, she came along and did um, some backing vocals. And I can't sing like that. And that to me in my head is some like platonic ideal of what a, a vocalist, a, a vocalist should be. And I don't think I, I fit that. Well, I tell you, your your humility is a, is is a wonderful component of your overall charm charm contingent. It, it, you know, you, you can say what you want, but I'm going to disagree with you. You you've, you've got a voice, and uh, it might be unlike these people that you're aspiring to. And you 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 need to nurture nurture what you've got. It, it's and and I think Stuart, fair play to you for being this uh, for being this great leveler in the background. Rose, just let 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 the, let the guy let the guy behind the board sort that out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's it's a difficult one because I like Louise. Actually, a lot of my favourite singers are what are deemed non-singers, but they have an immediately identifiable voice. That's actually, it. Actually, that. That's a good point. Like I could never listen to a Stevie Wonder record, but I could listen to Kenya Dawson sing. Yeah, Cody. but the thing is, <laughs> sorry, that's 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 good. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not going to write you. Off. I'm not saying, oh, you're just a character singer, because actually your voice is a lovely instrument in itself. It just ha it sounds, it has a beautiful sound to it, regardless of whether you think you are singing, the noise you're making is a brilliant instrument on a, on a record. That's it. Um, and so again, why I went back to the, the initial acoustic album was to, to highlight that, to say, you know, because even on that record, I mixed the voice, even though it's just a guitar and a voice, if you listen to it, the voice is actually mixed pretty loud, even within that, for the very specific reason. There's all this texture and stuff going on, and it sounds amazing, and that's that's purely what it was. Um, but and also, you know, I think the vocal on Ten Feet Tall, for example, is possibly your best vocal yet because you get more confident about about singing with the band and just singing in general. I think that's. Uh, I think I know in my head my limits, but I know that I've not yet really achieved what I think I could do in terms of singing, just in terms of maybe power and breathing and mm. the technical things. I don't actually think we change the sound very much I, I really hope not that's what I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he's fighting tooth and nail for that for no change yeah well I mean even Louise mentioned uh, maybe getting singing lessons at one point I was kind of like oh, no because it might change what you do I think if you could use that kind of knowledge to just protect your voice a bit when you're singing live and not fundamentally change how that's you sing that's it I'd like to be able to yeah, take care of my voice yeah. be more yeah. confident with singing yeah. as well as something that you know, maybe the, the conversation of the last five minutes might suggest that I'm not an incredibly confident singer. But, yeah. you know, the more, the more, I mean, live, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people just have an expectancy that, that, that someone who has a talent and can record and make wonderful music, that they can make that effortless transition to the live forum. And, you know, there are nerves, there are, there's all kinds, there's a myriad of factors because we're all human beings. And, you know, you've, 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 got, you've got gigs under your belt, but once you get this uh, UK, Scandinavian tour and, and you've got, you know, a couple more dozen shows under your belt, you, you know, it'll just happen naturally whereby this, this worry or this thing at the back of your mind will dissipate because you'll just be, just become better at it because you're doing more of it and you, you'll, you'll gain the confidence. But to, to, the, to the listener and to the, uh, to the people watching, 
there's, there's no evidence of that. So Thank you. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's internal. Good. It's internal, I'm sure, because I don't think anybody can sort of surmise that, that, that that's what's happening behind the scenes. Maybe I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps not. But you've given me too much information. Um, look, just, just wanted to actually talk about uh, just briefly the, t the touring band. That who, 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 who currently are the members of the band? So in our band we have well, I play yes. and then Stuart. Yeah, I play myself in there. Yeah, plays guitar uh, fabulously, and then we have Rupert Black, who he's playing keyboards and pianos, and Stuart Johnson. Yeah, Stuart loves synth. Yeah, yeah. This, um, a little bit of trivia about Rupert. A while ago, we were having a kind of, you know, showing off contest who's played to the biggest audience, and Rupert said, Well, I did play Live Aid, um, which is <laughs> where my friends and everybody else. Um, <laughs> we toured with the Pretenders and with Talk Talk, and he is just a fabulous musician and human being. Um, his playing on 10 Feet Tall, um, it, it's quite, I mean, we did, I don't know how many takes of the track, but then he just kept playing different things every time, and it was fabulous. Um, our, our drummer is the lovely Sam Waller um, from Huddersfield, I believe. Um, good, got some Yorkshire lads in there, that's good. <laughs> Sorry? Got some Yorkshire in there, that's good. Yes, yes. Um, and the bass player is Charlotte Printer, who plays with Altered Images as well at the moment, and her own band, Apache Darwin. Oh, She's there the you go. Scottish person, apart from us. Yeah. Involved anything to do with Ray, but he yeah. We've got publishers, and we've got helpers out, and different yeah. bits and bobs, and literally Charlotte's the only Scottish person apart from that. <laughs> it's just bizarre. We saw the biog, and then I, I completely unaware until I received the biog that uh, that that Rupert was involved. That's that is that's phenomenal, and and I know that uh, I don't think Stuart would align the band with anybody who wasn't a part of this uh, wonderfully organic journey that you're on. So. Uh, it's, that, that's that's the band, so it's, 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 it's a five-piece? Yes. Good, that, that proves I can count. Good, I was getting worried there. <laughs> um, what have I got less, left to ask you that, that's of any pertinence? Because, uh, oh yeah, we want to talk about Bandcamp and Pledge, because um, Straw Woman did awfully well. I mean, is it fair to say that you're very, very happy with the entire campaign for Straw Woman? Oh yeah, we were amazed actually at how like a helpful pledge was so we didn't have any of the intent any real intentions of using pledge because i didn't i don't have an audience or so didn't have mm. if, I, if i don't have an audience now then i had you know a negative audience then so we were trying to get funding from different means and we applied for a grant from help musicians and they would match what you earned through your pledge campaign yes and it's been an emerging artist who hadn't done it before so we we used Pledge for that, and then we had this fantastic contact at Pledge called Anna, and she really helped us out with reaching the audience that Pledge had, because Pledge is full of those people who really appreciate the things that I think you do, and Stuart does, and I do, that kind of, um, you know, not big label, uh, what would you, how would you... Talk about it. Stuart's going to get pies out of the oven and it's cold. <laughs> 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 okay, so he's amidst the baking. All right, so... Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. What would you like to add, Stuart, to that? Well, the thing, I mean, I, I was fairly sceptical of the whole pledge thing, the crowdfunding thing. Um, and then we met Anna Mason, who was fantastic with us, and she explained how it works um, and how basically, you know, you, you give your audience what you want to give them, and that's it. I mean, there's also the fact well, that... Well, that's the thing, is that there was an audience on pledge. That there's yeah. lots of people on pledge who would quite happily spend money on a record by an artist they hadn't heard of before. Yes. So they'd email about from yeah. the website. And so actually, 
half of our salesmen came from those people, people who'd never heard of us before. That's what um, I wanted to touch upon. Yeah. That's what interests me the most. Because, I mean, could I, could I be so bold as to ask how old you are, Louise? I'm 27, so yeah, I'm going to say, you've probably got, it sounded like you had as, as, uh, the same counting difficulties I had. Um, <laughs> but, um, I didn't have to take a minute to figure out I wasn't 28 yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, where, where I was going with that was, I mean, Stuart knows exactly what I'm talking about, is, you know, let's say it's 19, it's 1986 in, in your record shop and, and you're sifting through the bins on release day and you see that wonderful sleeve by 23 envelope for a 4AD release. And what I'm trying to say is you take a punt on some music. Yeah. Pledges, pledges is a modern day equivalent of, yeah, that looks yeah. good, I'm gonna give that a go. See, that, I didn't realize that beforehand, but what it is is pledges like, it's a community that shared an ethos, and the ethos is not just we still believe in buying music and buying merchandise, it's we believe in supporting new artists by buying their music. There's a recognition. Yes. That, Companies are not fulfilling that role necessarily, so there's a, a, a responsibility, I suppose, within the pledge community. If you believe in new music and you want to enjoy new music, then you have to to fund it some way. And um, I mean, some of my favourite bands and favourite records were and um, doing exactly what you just described. Actually, I remember seeing the, the Chameleons album Strange Time. Oh yes, <laughs> and I, I bought it because the sleeve was amazing. And the event was another one I discovered through the sleeve from Infected, the initial sleeve. Yes. Um, and I think there are, you're right, there are people who see something that looks interesting, click on it, hear a couple of songs and get involved and pledge for brilliant and marketing to those people. Yeah. Um, to the point that we intend the thing, I mean, it's a slight grey area at the moment, but we want to do another record of pledge um, if we can work, tie that in with a label as well. We'll have to look at how that all works, but it was, it was a great experience. Um, and they did say that probably 30 to 40% of your sales would come from the pledge community. And with us, it was something like 47, 48%. It was a huge, huge deal. That's fantastic. Uh, and it's all it's worldwide as well, obviously. And we sold records literally to every part of the globe, mm -hmm. um, which would never have happened otherwise. And, uh, you know, you then, you find you put updates up about a gig or anything else. If you open up to the entire community, you get a response immediately. And folks just go and, and buy an album. Buy, mm -hmm. We would go buying tickets for gigs. Actually, you did it. You bought a ticket for us in Canada. I yeah. remember that. But a few folks have done that. Yeah. Ticket, to get involved and get you know, the album downloaded and all the rest of it. It's just wonderful every time that happens. Yeah, and it must be. Just to look at a heat map and say, crikey, I sold 16 units to New Zealand. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's what it's all yeah. about. So I, I just wanted to hear your side of things because I'm a big, big advocate of Pledge and I do everything I can to uh, showcase talent that I unearth myself. Bandcamp is a different animal. It's, it's been good to you. And I'd say the major, the major sort of flag-flying benefit of Bandcamp is over the iTunes and the Amazons and all that is that you obviously get to keep more of the money, the money that you deserve as opposed to the pittance that they give you for... Uh... So, Bandcamp served a purpose for you, is that fair to say? Yeah, Bandcamp was something that I set up, because I've done... Now, this is the first kind of profit album I would say I've ever done Straw Women, but I had recorded um, sort of collections of songs in the past, and I used Bandcamp to put them out, and you have a lot more autonomy over it with, with Bandcamp rather than, as you say, with, with iTunes or, or Spotify. Uh, but the other thing that's really quite good about uh, Bandcamp is that you can, uh, you have these sort of lists of, you know, your tag lists. So if you search for a tag, you could be number one in that tag. Mm -hmm. so things like Glasgow and Scotland. And I actually found um, I didn't have half as much of the reach using Bandcamp as I did uh, during the Pledge campaign. But things like uh, sending records to Japan, I found myself doing that a lot more when I used Bandcamp. Yes. I think there's such a market for 
music based in Glasgow and Scotland uh, in Japan. So people would search up that that key term, and if you'd if you'd sold enough and that was one of your tags, then you would be quite high up in that list, and people would maybe take a wee chance on on your music as well. So I liked I liked Bandcamp for you know a lot of reasons, and I think we would still be using it with this current album if we hadn't been going down the pledge route. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I say, it serves a very, very good purpose, and that's a very, very good uh, point that you make about uh, its outreach. Because you know, a lot of people will, 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 because of I'm trying to rewind here. Is that back in the day, you either stumbled upon something, or you heard it on John Peel or your local radio station, or your big brother, or the or the guy down the street, or your mates at work had the album and you taped it on a ferric oxide. That's how it was. Um, this seems to have uh, again fulfilled the same kind of premise but in, in, in a modern way it's lovely that someone in Tokyo who was was a loved C86 and loved the creation movement and loved Manchester and, and loved alt indie jingle jangle pop they can look for Manchester Liverpool and Glasgow and yes. with, with a great degree of confidence know that they're not gonna uh, stumble upon something that is completely unexpected ie not what they want so I think that's a, a very good point that you make because I, I hadn't thought of it that way but that's a, a really salient benefit of Bandcamp, is the search option. It was something that I, I only realised when we, I think someone mentioned it to me, like maybe I had a few more sales than usual, maybe I had two in a month rather than zero. And <laughs> oh, come on. You have these like, little lists and if you search Glasgow, you're maybe the third person on that list or whatever it was. That's you know, great. Well, 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 I've got I've got one last question for you both, and, and this is this is this is a it's a unique one because first of all, I've never asked this to two people at the same time, um, so I'm going to put two entries into the uh, this aggregated thing I have. I, I I have this feature on the program called uh, Magic Biscuit Tin, and it's a simple premise. It would be let's say that you guys are here in, in Ottawa and you, you you're playing a date and you're around my place and stick the kettle on, and I come out with this Magic Biscuit Tin, and it is just that. You can choose any biscuit on God's green earth. What would either? What, what would you choose to pair of you? And just before I, before before I let you answer, I have stumped so many people with this. You think I was asking them how to perform alchemy in their kitchen? I just want to know what your favourite biscuit is. And it's amazing how people just can't can't decide. Over to you. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so ready for this question. Mine isn't really a biscuit. Well, I would say it's a biscuit. Other people might say it's a chocolate bar, and I would say a drifter. Oh, okay, you can have that through a technicality. Because I'll, I'll allude that back to what, what uh, Stuart was saying about that Chameleons album. I had Mark Burgess on the show a while ago, and he opted for a non-biscuit, so I had to create a whole new category. Okay, just because it's you, I'll create another tab field for The Drifter. Thank you so much. Would you like a traditional biscuit? No, 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 because what, what comes out of your, passes through your lips first, is, is I, I know that's the most, that, that's that's the real the real answer, so... A drifter it is for you, and Stuart, what would you plump for? I've given you that thinking time, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what, I'll have... Uh, that's, a, that's a cake, Stuart, that's bad. A, a raisin cookie from Subway. That's the, the, raisin yeah, cookie from the, Subway? The, the best. Does that count in my life? Yeah, it does, it's just going to be really hard for me to find a decent photo and, and do it, but you two have been <laughs> bloody awkward when it came to the biscuits. It, it was all going really well until I started talking about biscuits. Well, it's a case I was talking to someone about this very topic the other week, saying it would be great, you know, with communism, it's like you're having the digestive or the hobnob, that's it. But, but now, 
There's such a, a litany of, of biscuit choice. It's unbelievable. So I will send you an updated spreadsheet when I get my uh, Photoshop out later. And, and, and I'll also drop the pair of you a line uh, with a link to the show. Oh, so yeah, thank you. I'm so, so happy to have spoke with you both. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to the pair of you. Yes, and, thank you very much. And I wish you all the best. And hopefully we can uh, maybe do a catch-up at the end of the year when there's a couple more releases under your belt and we can uh, map progress and see how the land lies. Yeah, love to. Thank you. That is magic. Well, all the very best. Have, have a great remainder of the Sunday and uh, I'll be in touch very soon. Thank, thank, you. thank you. All the very best. Take care. So beautifully concise, it could be packaged and bundled with a bow on it. That's what that interview was. Thank you, Louise. And I hope that you lot enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, I do hope that you've been turned on to her music. Uh, if you listen to the show regularly, you will have heard her before. If it's your first time, shame on you. Uh, but uh, put that aside for now. Um, go out and buy her records. Visit uh, the show notes to find out all the URLs for click-throughs, etc., etc. I'm going to leave you with a song off Straw Woman and uh, going to be playing a song called Nocturnal Babe. I'll be back very, very briefly after this to wrap up the programme and uh, put episode 37 firmly to bed.
fantastic. That's uh, Louise Connell, Reveriemi, and that is Nocturnal Bay. But we heard uh, fairy stories last week off Straw Woman. This week we heard Nocturnal Babe. So that's a wrap for this uh, week. I, I hope that you enjoyed all the features. I hope that you enjoyed the interview and the feature uh, with Louise. I hope you enjoyed the album of the week. And uh, do be in touch, as a reminder, again, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com. Nearperfectpitch.com has all the links to all the social media and all the other platforms. If you do like the show, which I hope you do, please do share it because, uh, as I always mention, this is just a one-man outfit. It's a raggle-taggle affair. It's me getting a bunch of tunes together on a weekly basis, attempting to interview an artist of relevance uh, and uh, jumbling it all together and banging out a podcast on a weekly basis. Uh, So, with that in mind, thank you very, very much. I'll be back next week for episode 38, uh, most probably, as I'd mentioned earlier, with uh, a feature interview with uh, Fiat Lux, who are now back together again. Thanks to all concerned. All the best. Ta-ra!